Hello Trekkies, welcome back to another episode of Yelling About Star Trek. My name is Christian Fox and this is a show where I yell at you about all things Star Trek for your amusement so I'm not yelling at my friends and family who don't want to hear my thoughts and theories on this fantastic franchise. Today I want to get a little bit more personal and explain why Captain Picard has meant so much to me and why he is almost like a second dad. But before I explain why, so that I don't sound as crazy as I might, make sure you get out of your space pajamas, put on your shiniest pair of boots, get a cup of coffee, get a cup of tea, maybe some iced tea if you want to pull the archer maneuver, and brace for impact because things are about to get nerdy. So, Star Trek, as you know, and as you might have guessed based on this entire podcast, is something that is just so near and dear to my heart. I love the franchise. I love almost all of the series. I I like Discovery, but I don't think I quite love it the way I love the other series. But overall, the franchise has meant so much to me and really does influence everything that I've done in my life and everything that I will do and continue to do. And part of that comes down to the characters. The characters are people that I really connect with. But most of the characters and most of the captains are just characters that I find interesting and think are genuinely really good people that you know, I can maybe take some guidance from, but ultimately they're just characters. People like Captain Sisko, Captain Janeway, Captain Kirk, Captain Archer, all fantastic characters that I connect with and that I think have a lot of value and I do base my life on, you know, what they've done or or what they do. But overall, I know they're just characters and they don't speak to me in a very personal level that makes me feel like they're part of my family. That is with the exception of Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Captain Jean-Luc Picard, to me, in many ways, feels like the father that I never really had. Like the father that I could look up to for guidance and always know that he would do the right thing. To help you understand why I feel this way, I have to go back into my childhood. And there's a lot of stuff to unpack there and stuff that I likely won't get into because I always want to keep this show on the TNG level of appropriateness, shall we say. And so when I talk about things in my past that have definitely impacted me, some might even call it trauma, I'm going to only touch on it a little bit and approach it like a TNG trauma. And by TNG trauma, I mean like, oh, this horrible thing, but, you know, it's not so horrible because it's TV and it's not something that will impact you for the rest of your life. Something like, uh, you know, maybe Jordy becoming a, a brainwashed assassin. Something that is traumatic but doesn't really have any long-term impact. So I won't get into my trauma in the DS9 level and that I'm really unpacking it, but I will just touch on it a little bit and maybe talk about it from 
the surface so that you have an idea of why I feel the way I do. But obviously, I don't want to scar you or maybe your family that's listening to it because, well, this is a family-friendly podcast. And as I always say, I want to keep this on the TNG level. So I, I would say... Overall, I had a pretty normal childhood, nothing too crazy or wild compared to other childhoods and to, you know, other people growing up. But the one difference was that I was adopted. My parents are white, so I come from a white family, but I was actually born in the Dominican Republic. So you can imagine that, you know, there was definitely some confused uh, looks when I went into school and people were like, wait what are you? I'm not really sure what you are. In high school, that was a huge thing to be like, wait, what are you? I'm, I'm very confused. And that definitely threw people off. But, you know, it wasn't a huge thing and didn't really, you know, but the big thing about my childhood was that my parents uh, went through a pretty brutal divorce, something I've spoken about in previous episodes. And that definitely caused a lot of challenges for me and a lot of tension in my life. Now, my mom, she is incredible. I am so thankful that somehow I ended up with her as my mom. I don't know how that was possible. I don't necessarily believe in God, but I mean, like, feel like, wow, if there ever is an argument that God exists, it's that somehow God put me in the hands of my mother, even though I was in a completely different country and different birth mother, but somehow it all worked out. So I'm incredibly thankful for that. My dad, on the other hand, we didn't really see eye to eye. And to put it politely, he didn't treat me very well. And I always felt very uncomfortable around him, like I was walking on eggshells. One of the ways I would describe it as if you watch a TV show and, you know, there's a bunch of people and they go into room and then someone's like, oh man, you can't move anymore because this whole place is rigged to blow up. If you make one wrong step, you're going to die. That's how I felt with my dad and when I was living there. And so I was always scared. And my dad also, you know, not to get too much into it, didn't treat other people very well. You know, didn't take the best care of himself health-wise and indulged in a lot of alcohol, which was problematic. So not only was I kind of nervous to be around him, but I also didn't really think that he made good decisions and he wasn't someone I could look up to, not in the way I could look up to my mom or my grandparents who always felt like they did the right thing and someone I could go to for advice and people that I could just generally trust that they would do the right thing. So that was sort of my relationship with my dad. I know there's always two sides to every story. Again, there's a whole lot to unpack and probably not appropriate for this podcast. So I apologize for repeating that, but I do want to make it clear that, yes, I know that there are two sides to every story. But either way, I really didn't have a male figure that I could look up to besides my grandfather, who was incredible. And he unfortunately passed away a few years ago, but I cherished the time I had with him. And honestly, he was one of the most amazing grandfathers that anyone could ask for. So I was very close to him. I saw my grandparents almost every day. 
uh, for a long time, I'd always have lunch with them. I talked about them in the past where where I'd always watch Star Trek at their house and kind of put them through a lot of crap because, well, at four o'clock, it would be Voyager or at four o'clock, it would be TNG, whatever was on. They'd have to watch it with me, so they definitely suffered, but they always handled it well and were always so supportive of me watching it and and just seemed to accept that, you know what, I'm a bit of a nerd and that probably wasn't going to change. And outside of my grandfather, I really didn't have a male figure that I could look up to, except for Captain Picard. Captain Picard, for some reason just felt like a second father to me. Not only was he a character on a TV show, but he felt like a real person, like someone I could trust, someone I could call and say, hey, Captain Picard, what should I do in this situation? Now, obviously, I couldn't call him because he's Patrick Stewart, and, you know, I can't just type in, oh, where's Patrick Stewart's phone number? And say, hey, Patrick Stewart, I'm a big fan. Stuff is going on at at home and it's really challenging what do i do so you know i couldn't do that but even so he felt like he was a real person someone that i could talk to and just you know say hey what do i do in this situation but not only did he feel like a real person that i could speak to he was someone that i just felt so much comfort in knowing that no matter what happened in any episode of tng he would always do the right thing. If he yelled at someone and realized it was unfair and that he didn't need to do it, he would apologize. Uh, if he was in a difficult situation where he had to lie, he would always tell the truth. If someone was being treated badly, he would step up and say, hey, that's not what you're supposed to do. But ultimately, I always knew that no matter what happened, Captain Picard would do the right thing. As I said, that was a huge contrast to my own father who, you know, had lots of great qualities and did try to do the right thing, but, you know, necessarily wouldn't always do the right thing. But not Captain Picard. Captain Picard, I was pretty certain of. So over the years, I just felt this connection with Captain Picard and it grew more and more. And that's something that I have to say about Star Trek in general is that Star Trek was always my happy place. And when my parents were going through a really intense divorce or when I would go to my dad's and I would be uncomfortable and nervous about what was going to happen, I could turn on Star Trek, either Star Trek TNG or Voyager or whatever show was on, and I would instantly feel more comfortable knowing that no matter what happened in Voyager or what happened in TNG, things would work out. Enterprise blows up in the teaser? No problem. It's a time loop. They'll get out of it. Harry Kim gets sucked out of Voyager and dies? No problem. We'll just pick up the other Harry Kim from the other Voyager and he'll become part of the crew and, and it's all going to work out. So there's no problem. I always knew that in those 45 minutes, no matter what happened, the situation would be resolved and everything would go back to normal. So there was a level of consistency that I felt when watching Star Trek and just a level of safety. Like I knew when I was watching the show, I was safe because everything would work out. So that's a little bit about why I felt Captain Picard especially was like a second father to me. As I said, my grandfather was amazing and someone that I was very close to. 
But beyond that, I really didn't have a father figure. So Captain Picard stepped in and became that father figure. And it's something that I've thought about a lot when I was younger. You know, in in recent years, I haven't really thought about it. And that's mostly because, well, there's some other men in my life who have sort of become like fathers to me and have taken on that male role. So I haven't really felt the need to think about it because I felt like, okay, that really wasn't missing. But that sort of changed a few weeks ago. So again, this is a little bit dark and I don't want to get into too much detail. But basically, I've just been feeling down because, well, 2020 and 2021 hasn't been the best year. COVID is kind of being a jerk and things are just a little bit down for me. There's a lot that's going really well in my life, but overall, I just feel a little bit like, ah, I I hope things get better. And I think things are getting better. Things are opening up now. And I think that's fantastic. But even so, I've just been a little bit down. So one of the things I've been doing to keep me sane in all of these COVID shenanigans has been watching Star Trek at lunchtime. A couple of weeks ago, I was in the mood for some Trek. I was sort of in the mood for uh, season three of TNG. So I was looking through the episodes and found uh, the bonding. The bonding was one I hadn't seen in a while. It's usually pretty emotional, but I thought, hey, why not give it a shot? I haven't seen in a while. Might be nice to revisit. So I popped it on. But in case you don't know every single episode name off by heart because you're not a crazy person, the bonding is the one with young Jeremy Astor who loses his mother and then an entity realizes that Jeremy is lonely. So the entity takes the form of his mother. It's a great episode. Very touching and very emotional. But what I found especially touching in that episode was the fact that our main cast just really wanted to help Jeremy in every way possible. Troy was trying to help him express his grief in a healthy way. Worf really wanted to make sure that he wasn't alone. Dr. Crusher wanted Wesley to talk to him about his experience of losing his dad. But what really stood out to me in all of that was Picard. There's a great scene where Picard is talking to Jeremy. Troy is there. And Jeremy says to Picard, Look, the only person I had in my life was my mother. I don't have anybody else. Right now, I'm alone. And then Picard looks at him and says, Jeremy, nobody is alone on the Enterprise. And for some reason, that line hit me and just took me back to all those years ago when I really did feel like... Picard was my dad. In a way, Picard was telling me that I wasn't going to be alone. And I'm not alone. I have my mom who's been incredibly supportive of me in all of this. I have lots of friends, have lots of family who will no doubt be there for me when I need them and have been there for me when I needed them. But hearing him say that really just made it feel like he was looking right at me saying, hey, Chris, nobody's alone on the Enterprise and you're going to be just fine and we're all here for you. And that moment just hit me so much. As I said, it brought me back to all those years ago when I actively thought about Picard being like a father and really felt that way. And it caught me by surprise. I'll be honest, I'm someone that cries all the time when I watch really sad movies. I can't even get through the first 10 minutes of Up without crying. So you can imagine that I was crying my eyes out 
when I was watching this episode. It was awkward. It was a little embarrassing, but I thought, you know what? I'm going to do it. It's healthy. I got to just let it out and then move on with my day. That is a little bit about why Captain Picard means so much to me and why he's almost like a second father. But to lighten things up a little bit, it's time that we go into this week's edition of, wait, what did you say? For this week's Technobabble, given that I spent the last 30 minutes talking about Captain Picard, I felt it was only fair to talk about a Technobabble scene that involved Captain Picard. And this scene is from the TNG final all good things. And in this specific scene, Ricard is freaking out and trying to explain what's happening and why everything is going on. And then eventually the other crew members realize what's happening and they save the day. So I'm going to try and read the dialogue to you. I might butcher it. It's very complicated, but I will try my best. And I'm not going to do a British accent because I can't. So when I read Picard, it'll be with my standard accent. Okay. This specific scene takes place near the end of the episode, and they're on the future Enterprise, and they're all in 10 Ford, and everybody's enjoying a nice drink. And then Picard walks in. Everyone's freaking out a little bit. Crusher is definitely worried about Picard being there, and Riker is just irritated. So Picard says, We set everything in motion. It's, it's like the chicken and the egg, Will. The chicken and the egg. We think it started in the past, but it didn't. It started right here in the future. That's why it's getting larger in the past. And the data pipes up and says, I think I know what the captain is talking about. If I'm not mistaken, he's describing a paradox. And then Picard replies, yes, right, that's it. And data says, intriguing. It is possible we could have caused the very anomaly we've been looking for. Let us assume for one moment that the captain has been traveling through time. Let us also assume he has initiated a tachyon pulse at the same coordinates in all three time periods. In that case, it is possible, and I'm laughing because this is ridiculous, that three tachyon pulses could have ruptured the subspace barrier and created an anti-time reaction. And then... Jordy pipes in with some of my favorite dialogue and then Jordy pipes in and says I see where you're going data and because anti-time operates opposite the way normal time does the effects would travel backwards through the space-time continuum and then Picard says yes that's why it's getting larger in the past it grows as it travels backwards through time there are a lot of things I love about this dialogue one I love how ridiculous it is. I love how this is the classic Star Trek techno babble that just is like, whoa, what are you saying? Like, if you hadn't seen any Star Trek and you're not a fan, you would probably have no idea what was being said and what the point was. So I love that. I love how it's pulses, there's tachyons, there's space-time continuum. Anytime there's dialogue that either involves space-time continuum, tachyons, or anomalies, I'm excited. And when you have all three of those things, it's even better. So I love it for that reason alone. But I also love the fact that this is classic TNG in that one person says something technobabbly and then someone else builds upon it and then eventually you have everybody talking and everybody's like, okay, we're on the same page. We know how we're going to solve the problem. And it's, it's very classic TNG because TNG is all about 
a team and about them working together to save the day. And it's a really nice moment that feels well-earned because in this time period specifically, everybody has been sort of fed up with Captain Picard. Everyone's been like, Captain Picard, you're going crazy. What do you want about this time? Just go back and get some sleep and you you know stop going on about anomalies because it's not here and you wasted all of our time and we're all angry, so go back to your cabin because you're a crazy old man. And that's what's been going on in the future time period. But finally, we have a moment where everybody totally gets where Picard is coming from. And it's like, hey, Picard is onto something. We need to go back to the Devron system to solve this problem. And once we do, the universe will be saved and everybody can go on and be happy. So it's a great moment where the team is finally back together. Everybody's doing their thing. And you're like, ah. Thank God everybody's on Picard's side. Finally, we know that they know, even though we've always known that Picard wasn't going through anything crazy and that he really was telling the truth. But as an audience, we were frustrated by the other characters not believing him. So when they finally believe him and they finally figure out what's going on, it's so it's very cathartic as a viewer. And the final thing that I love about this scene and that makes me laugh and what I was trying to read, and the final thing that I love about this scene that makes me laugh is Jordy's delivery. Now, just for behind-the-scenes stuff, when I was trying to read Jordy's piece, I kept stumbling over it because I kept laughing. And the dialogue itself is not very funny. Like, there's nothing funny about anti-time or continuum or normal time or traveling backwards through time. None of that stuff is especially hilarious. But what I find amusing about it is the way Jordy delivers it. There's something about the way Jordy delivers Technobabble that makes it feel like he's almost slipped into his reading Rainbow character where he's explaining something to children. And the way he does it, I don't know how to describe it, but it feels like he's on Rooting Rainbow and he's telling a bunch of kids what anti-time is and how it operates. Even though most kids probably don't understand anti-time, unless you're like me or perhaps yourself, who maybe watched Star Trek as a kid. But for the most part, the average kid isn't going to know about anti-time. So... I get this image of him on Reading Rainbow explaining to kids like, oh, here's anti-time and this is why it happens and this is what happens when anti-time travels backwards through time and gets larger because as we all know, anti-time works opposite the way regular time does. And it makes me laugh. I love the way he slips into the Reading Rainbow persona sort of tone of voice, and I think it's hilarious, even though the dialogue itself is not especially funny. But that's just a fun Technobabble moment I wanted to share, and I just wanted to have a conversation about what Captain Picard meant to me and why I feel like he is much more than just a character on a TV show. But what about you? Are there any characters that really speak to you on a personal and emotional level? Or do you think I'm just as crazy as Captain Picard running around the ship with no shoes asking what date it is? Let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Also, let me know what you like about the show, what you don't like, what you think is working, what isn't working, because ultimately, I want to make a show that you enjoy listening to. 
And in the paraphrased words of Captain Kirk, I shall see you out there, that away.